You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, as I said, my name is Brian, and if I haven't had a chance to connect with you, we're so thankful that we're here. Matter of fact, if I haven't got to know you, I would love to know more about you. If you want to ever get together sometime, I'd be so honored. Maybe grab a cup of coffee, cup of tea, whatever it is that you like to do, like to connect sometime. I would love to hear more of your story, get to know who you are, and if that can, we can make that happen some way in this new year, just let me know. I'd love to connect with you and hear more of your story and learn how what God is doing in your life. And as we kick off this new year, it's a brand new year year, as you know. And so something that we're doing and we're really excited about as a church is something called 21 Days of Prayer. And we do this every single year in January. And what does this mean? Something that we think is really important, just like we give our finances, our our first fruit, those tithes and that offering, that's the first fruit that we're bringing to God. Something that we want to do individually and as a church is that we're bringing him the first fruit of our year. And we're saying that for three weeks in January, we're going to spend some focused time praying and fasting together. And we're believing some things as a church that we're believing for in this year. And we saw God show up in a big way last year when we prayed and believed for these things and God honored it. And then also in our personal lives, it's not just about what we're trying to achieve as a church, but also we want to encourage you and help you and have some things that you are believing for in the new year, some things that you are praying for and really calling out to God and believing and depending on him that he's going to show up in your life, in your family, in your circumstance, whatever it is. So what we're doing is we're starting a new series that is called Praying with confidence. And this is something that's really a big deal. And I hope that you're able to come and show up in January because we're really going to dig in and, and look at what it means to pray with confidence. This is actually based on a book titled, believe it or not, Praying with Confidence. And this is a a book that is by Pastor Jeff Leak. And if you don't know who that is, he pastors Allison Park Church in the north side of the city, on the other side of the river, which is pretty much like Canada from here, right? No one crosses the bridge of the river. Um, And they are a church that actually helped us get started as a church. They invested in us, believed in us, sent us with a large financial gift and said, hey, we believe in you. Let's help you get this thing started. And so he wrote this book on prayer. And we're going to dive in this together. And we're going to talk about effective prayer and praying with confidence confidence because there is nothing like prayer. It's something that is so important and so central to our lives as Christ followers. Matter of fact, it gives us access to an all-powerful God. And effective prayer can be life-changing. It can be life-altering. And I remember for me, I, I grasped the concept of prayer from a young age, and I grew up in a home with a family who were Christ followers. They were Christians. They followed Jesus. And not only that, my parents were pastors of a church, and so something that they really instilled in us, instilled in me, was this idea of prayer and how important prayer is. And I remember even seeing my parents as pastors, like, pray for people and God answering those prayers and just even from a young age being so impacted by that. And there's so many things as I was preparing this week, so many stories that I wanted to be able to share, but something that I specifically thought of and this just really brought to my memory was this one time, like, I saw my dad praying and he wasn't praying for someone else, he was praying for himself. And I don't know if you've ever encountered something like this before. But I remember my dad sharing with me this story in tears. And I wasn't really young. I was probably high school, early college when this happened. And he said he was watching television. And as my dad got older, he had to, watch, he had to wear glasses. It wasn't something that we did when he was young, but as he aged, you know, sometimes that happens. 
And he was watching this guy on TV, and it was the Christian television station. He never had anything happen like this before. And he said as he was watching it, the guy was like, hey, I just feel like we're going to pray for some people at home who are sick and dealing with some things. And the guy said specifically, you know what, I feel like there's some people who God just wants to heal your vision, just to show you that he loves you and he's for you and he's with you. And so my dad's like, well, that's kind of weird, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. My eyes aren't that bad. And so he said, he just said, okay. And as the guy prayed, he just believed that that was for him as well. And he said as he was doing that and he was watching the TV, it got blurry and he took his glasses off and it was completely clear. And he said he put the glasses back on and it was blurry and he couldn't believe it. Like his mind, he thought it was just like something messing with him. And I remember him sharing this with me and he couldn't get over it. And so he actually went to the doctor, went back to the optometrist that week and they rechecked his vision and the doctor's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. This doesn't normally happen, but you don't need glasses anymore. And of course, my dad being the pastor, you know, he's like, well, does that normally happen? Like, oh, how's that happen? You know, he's like, you know, he's like going to lead the guy to Jesus at that point because of the, the miracle. But I remember how much that had an impact on me being like, wow, prayer is incredible. And man, my dad must like have the hookup. I've never heard of anything like that happening. You know what I mean? You know, there was like not a common occurrence in our house, right? It was unbelievable to see that God would do something like that just to show him that he loved him and that he cared about him. And sometimes when we think about prayer, it can be like this big question mark of like, how does prayer work? And what is this all about? And it can feel like some, you know, big mystical thing. Like it's just this distant God. And how does this work? And maybe even feel sometimes like making a wish, right? I remember when I was a kid and maybe you do this to your kids too. But when I was a kid, I remember being very young and getting sat out there, right? They bring the birthday cake and they put the candles on it. Then they light the candles. You sing a song, you blow them out. And then what do they tell you to do when you're a kid? You make a wish, right? And then you can't tell anyone the wish because the wish doesn't come true because apparently there's like wish laws or whatever, right? And so I like make the wish and you're like, you just like, oh, come on, I'm gonna, you know, get that pony this year. Just tell anyone. And you blow out the candles. And then next year they set you up again, make the wish. And then at one point I'm just like, this wish thing's a scam, isn't it? Like, what, what has happened? There's not, none of the wishes ever come true. Because when you're a kid, you're not wishing for, like, I hope there's $5 in the birthday card. I mean, you're like, I'm wishing for, like, the big stuff, right? You know, I, I really need this to happen. And sometimes we can feel the same way about prayer. We can feel like it doesn't really work. It feels like making a wish, and we do it, and we don't see anything happen. And then we're wondering, like, is this really worth it? And something that I think is really important for us as we understand and dive into this book, that we can pray more effectively and that we can pray with confidence. Matter of fact, this book, I think, is something that's so important for all of us is that we as a church invested in a copy for each one of you. So when you leave today, we're going to give you one of these because we really believe this is something that we want to encourage and help us learn how to pray individually. I want to jump into a verse in 1 John 5, and I want to give you this disclaimer before we start. This Sunday, I'm using a lot more scripture than I usually do. Usually we have like a text or two and we're kind of in there. This week, we've got a, a little bit more, so you're going to have to hang with me. But I think this is really important that we discover some of this. And matter of fact, if you don't bring your Bible to church or you don't have it on your device, I would encourage you to do that. And if you don't even have a physical Bible, just download it on your phone because it can be a really great way to learn where some scriptures are. You can highlight them, make some notes, but just really want to encourage you to follow along as we jump in to 1 John 5. 14 and 15 says this, and we'll always have it on the screens for you, by the way, as well. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Now, did you catch this? This is God telling us that we can approach God with confidence. How? Knowing that he will answer us when we ask what? According to his will. Did you catch this? This is where we're going to start today. This idea that when we ask God, it's not just simply asking about things that we want, but when we ask things according to his will, his desires, what he already wants to happen, that we can come to him in confidence. And so the first point that I want to share with us today is that prayer is not a wishing relationship. It is a working relationship. It's not just simply about wishing something would happen. It's a partnership with God. It's coming alongside God and understanding what his will is, what his desire is, what his purpose is. And see, prayer is not just about getting everything that I want. It's understanding that God wants to use us to accomplish his will. God is looking for some people here on earth that can accomplish the will that he is wanting to happen. And see, really, if you hear that and you're like, well, that's not quite what I understood prayer to be all about. There's really two prayer purposes that I want to share with us. And the first one is connection. And so we pray to know God. And this is intimacy, right? This is this understanding, this idea that when we have a relationship with God, when we come to him, God can be your friend. Matter of fact, God can be your best friend. And you don't have to pray eloquently. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to be. Matter of fact, you can be angry. I would have just like a confession this morning. I have shouted at God before. I have said some not nice things. Why? Because sometimes you need that in a relationship. Sometimes you need that friend that you can vent to. And that can happen when we have relationship with God, that we can come to him and we can just connect with him, let him know what we're going through, talk to him, right? And I remember getting that from a young age and thankful for the opportunity I had to just come alongside God and just be like, God, just this is crazy. Like, I don't even, I don't even like have any prayer requests right now. I just need to let you know, like, this is insane. You know, maybe even like help me not hurt this person. You know, whatever it is, God, I just, I just need to be able to connect with him. Let him know what's going on in my life. We need that in our relationships. The second purpose is intercession. And this is to see things change. This is to see things change. This is where we're looking for results. And that's what this series is all about as we talk about praying with confidence. That when we intercede, we're standing in the gap that we want to see the will of heaven or God's will. We want to see that happen here on earth. Just like we saw that my dad prayed for his vision and all the things that he prayed. And I wish I could share all the stories and instances in my life where I've seen God answer prayers in big and small ways. There's so many ways that that happens. But we understand when we pray with effective prayer, we are interceding and we're seeing God's will happen here on earth. So as we unpack this today, I want to talk about four aspects of effective prayer. Four aspects of effective prayer. The first one is this. It's more about agreeing than it is about asking. See, effective prayer is more about agreeing with God than it is about asking. And I just want to stop today and give you this disclaimer. There is nothing wrong with asking. Matter of fact, God loves you. He is for you. He cares about you. And he wants you to be able to come to him as a good father and ask him for things. But see, when we understand that many times when we're asking things from God, it's all about what I want, right? It's about my agenda and the things that, God, I need you to take care of this. I need you to come through in a certain way. And there's nothing wrong. God wants to be able to answer those kinds of prayers for us. But see, that's not just about asking. It's more about agreeing. And see, agreeing is saying, God, what is it that you want to do? 
God, what is your will? How can I bring that about, God? How The things that are on your heart, God, the things you're wanting to do, how can I use my life to accomplish your will? It says this in Matthew 6, 9 through 11. This then is how you should pray. And this is the Lord's Prayer. And honestly, this is a great example of agreeing and asking in one prayer. And just to give you a little setup on this, some people ask Jesus, Jesus, how should we pray to God? And some people think that you have to pray these specific words since Jesus said this. But Jesus was actually giving us a model of how we should pray. He said this, then this is how you should pray. And some of you could probably quote this with me without even looking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and then get this, get this, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see that? It's coming into agreement with God's will. And then the ask, give us today our daily bread. See, it's about the agreement and it's about the asking. It's seeing, understanding what God's will is. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. Maybe you've asked this question. Maybe this would be a new thought for you. But if God is all-powerful, if God can do anything that he wants, if he could just snap his little finger, if he could just make anything happen as you want, why do I need to be involved with this process? Why does God need me to pray? What role do I, I mean, if God can do it, why does he need me to pray for his will to happen? And see, here's what we've got to understand is that God works through the world primarily through our agreement. That God is looking for people. And if you read the story of the Bible, it is story after story of God using regular, ordinary people like me and you and working through their lives, working through their prayers, working through their agreement with his will. See, good things come from God when we are in agreement with his will. When we are praying for God's will, when we are praying for it in our life and in our family, there are good things that happen from being in agreement with him. And the same thing is true on the opposite side. The Bible tells us about the forces of evil, that there's a devil who wants to wipe you out. He wants to take you out. He has a plan for destruction for your life. And how does he do this? He tempts us, right? And when we give into that temptation, we are agreeing with the devil's will. And then what happens on the back end is then we reap all the things that he didn't show us in the temptation, right? It was all the shiny, nice, this is going to be great. But then when it's time to pay the piper for the sin and there's the consequences of this, we come and find that there's been a lot of destruction that happens when we agree with his will. But when we understand that prayer releases heaven on our behalf, the stakes couldn't be higher. Because it's such a big deal. It's such a thing that in our life that we need. I don't know about you, but I need God to intervene in my life. I need him to intervene in my marriage. I need him to intervene in my family and with my children. I don't, I mean, come on guys, I'm a pastor, but I don't wear a cape. I don't know how to raise kids. It's not like I was like, oh, you're a pastor. You have the innate ability to be a perfect dad and husband. No, I need God to show up in my life. And so I have a really great example and a story for us in the book of Luke. And as we wrapped up the end of the year, it was the Christmas season. And so we're still not done talking about the birth of Jesus. And in Luke 1.37, it talks about how Mary was approached, Jesus' mom was approached by an angel. Matter of fact, she was approached by an angel and the angel says, hey, Mary, here's what's going on. I know you're promised to be married to Joseph. You've not been with him yet, but you're going to get pregnant. You're going to give birth to the Lord and Savior. You will call him Jesus. And Mary's like, whoa, back up. Like you say, What? I'm going to have a baby. I haven't even been with a man yet. That's not possible. And first of all, I've got so many questions, right? Mary's a teenager. She's not been married to this guy. Matter of fact, she could have been put to death for getting pregnant to another guy instead of the guy she was supposed to be married to. There were a lot of risks involved with this. And she said, that's just not possible. And here's what the angel says. He says, nothing is impossible for God. 
And then Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And then the angel left her. See, it was an impossible task, but the angel reminds us that nothing is impossible for God. And here's what you've got to understand, is that no word from God is without power. The word of God is like this seed and there's life and there's power in it. But here's what you've got to understand. Mary had to come into agreement with God's will. And so when she said it, let it be with me just as you have said, she comes into agreement with God, with his will, and then the power of God is enacted and happens. And you guys know the miracle working power was released. Aren't you glad she said yes, that Jesus entered the world, the savior of the world. We got to celebrate his birthday a couple of weeks ago all because she came into agreement with the will of God. The second point is this. It's not overcoming reluctance. It's tapping into his willingness. See, it's not overcoming God's reluctance, that God is reluctant to answer our prayer, but it's it's tapping into his willingness to do so. There's several different paradigms on God. Some people believe there's a God. Some people don't believe there's a God. Some people believe there's one God in all religions. There's just so many different paradigms, so many different views of God. But there's a view of God that says God is distant. And even if there is a God, he created the heavens and the earth. He's just distant. He's got too many things going on. There are people who are more important than me. Like he's going to be working with them. Like who am I? And just feeling like if there is a God and I do pray, I feel like God to get his attention. Like woohoo, God over here, you know me, I'm kind of dying over here. Needs your help, right? And just maybe, just maybe he'll see mean he'll he'll care he's just got too much going on he's distant and he's detached and and we feel like we've got to get God to do something that he doesn't want to do almost like we're twisting his arm like reverse psychology right like God if you do this then not right and all the things that we try to do to trick God into answering our prayer and I found this quote this week and and this this rocked me this quote rocked me from Saint Teresa take a look at this it says all difficulties in prayer can be traced to one cause Praying as if God were absent. This is the conviction that we bring with us from early childhood and we apply to everyday life and to our lives in general. It gets stronger as we grow up unless we are touched by the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, the free gift of salvation, and begin the spiritual journey. And the journey is a process of dismantling the monumental illusion that God is distant or absent. See, we have this idea sometimes, even as Christ followers, that God is distant. Here's what I want you to hear me say. And if you catch nothing else today in this message, that I want you to understand that God is not distant. God is a personal God, that God cares about you. Matter of fact, he is crazy about you. And even if you don't know this, he is working on your behalf right now. Even before you say the prayer, he is working on your behalf. He is ready to jump in at any moment. He's ready for those prayers. He's ready for you to come in agreement with his will. He's ready to jump in because he loves you. He cares about you. He's active and he's involved in your life. See, friends, God has a will for your life. Did you know that? Maybe it's the first time you've ever, God has a will and he has a plan for your life. And here's what you've got to catch is God's plan for your life might be a little bit different than what it is that you had planned. If you don't believe me, think about Mary. You think Mary, that was part of her plan. You think like as she's getting ready for the wedding, get married for Joseph, she's like, you know, it'd be really great if the Holy Spirit impregnated me right now. And I had to explain to everyone that I've not been with a man, but I'm really pregnant. And no, I wasn't cheating. And let alone being a teenager, that was not part of her plan. But see, her, what happened is something so much better than she could have ever hoped or imagined for. And sometimes when we say no to this, 
We're saying yes to God's plan. And here's what I know to be true. God's plan is always better than ours. He is so much wiser than us. His plan is so much better for our life. There might be some sacrifice, but ultimately the benefit of coming into agreement with God's plan for our life will be so much better than if we're just working it out on our own. Here's what I gotta help us understand today. As we come into agreement with God's word, the word of God, the Bible, the scripture is actually ammunition for our prayer. Understanding this is why it's so important we spend time in the Bible. Get the Bible app, open it each day, just start there. It doesn't have to be some involved reading nine hours a day. Just, be, just read a scripture a day. Begin to understand that and, and remember those and catalog those and begin to pray those because here's what you might be thinking. You know, I've got a friend, maybe like me, you know what this is like. You've got a friend, you've got a family member and they are not following after Jesus. They've not surrendered their life to him and you're like, is it God's even will? Is it his desire? Do I pray for this? Is God even really care about them coming to a relationship with Jesus. And take a look at what it says in 2 Peter 3.9. And for some of you, you got to write this one down because you got to start believing this, declaring this, and praying this for the people that you are believing to come to a relationship with Jesus. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Get this, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Did you catch that? God doesn't want anyone to perish. So if you're asking the question, is it God's will for them to come to relationship with him? The answer is yes. And so when you begin to pray that and come alongside God's will and begin to declare and pray this, 2 Peter 3, 9, as I pray for that family member, pray for that friend, see, and you begin to align yourself with heaven and God, this is your will. This is what you want for them. And see, it may not come quickly because that person has also got to align their will with God. And so it might not happen when you want to happen, but it will happen. We got to believe in God's will and say, God, it's your desire that none should perish, that all will come to repentance. Second Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, and friends, God has made so many promises in his word for you. They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. See, I prayed as a young person, I prayed even, like, and you always say amen at the end of the prayer, right? Have you ever wondered, like, why do we say amen? Like, what's the point? Why can we just end it? We always say amen at the end of the prayer. And you know what that means? It simply means I agree. That we're saying the prayer and you're saying amen, we're saying I agree. I agree with this prayer. Which brings us to point three. It's about praying God's promises, not out of my hopes, but out of my inheritance. It's about praying God's promises, not out of my hopes, but out of my inheritance. See, sometimes we can think prayers just like, if I just hope enough, if I just will it enough, I just hope that God will come through. But instead, it's really out of our inheritance. And what does that mean out of our inheritance? See, Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself, God's Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you have ever said the prayer, if you've ever said yes to relationship with Jesus, you've repented of your sins, you recognize what Jesus has done, that you believe in him, he's come in your life, he's made you new. If you have done that, that you are a child of God, you are a son or you are a daughter of God. And see, we can know that we can come to Jesus as a son and a daughter and not as a beggar. We're not just coming and be like, oh God, just grovel before you. I'm so sorry, but this is going on. If you know, we could come into the throne room with confidence saying, God, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. 
daughter. This is who I am. You love me. You care about me. And I wish I could unpack some of this today because if you can begin to see yourself, if you can begin to get beyond your identity the way you see yourself, the way other people see you, you can begin to understand that you are a son and you are a daughter of God and the rights and the privileges that give you because you're like, you begin to walk differently. You begin to see yourself differently. You're like, no, I don't think you understand. I am a son. I am a daughter of God. He cares about me. He knows my name. He cares about what's going on in my life. Just like as a parent, you love your children. You want the best for them. This is how God feels about you. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He's not waiting for you to screw up. He's not saying, ha, caught you. He's saying, I love you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I want the best for you. I believe in you. When you begin to understand this, it begins to change everything and it begins to change our posture as we pray and say, God, I'm your son and your daughter. I'm coming to you. I'm coming into agreement with what it is you want. It is my inheritance. Say you check the mail this week and this would be a pretty cool thing, right? You check the mail this week and you're like, man, what is this envelope? This is kind of random. And you open up the envelope and you begin to read it and your eyes get bigger and your spouse's like, what's going on? What is this about? And you find this letter and they're saying, we've been searching everywhere for you. You are the last living relative of this distant relative, distant uncle, Daddy Warbucks has kicked the bucket and you were the last one and he was a billionaire and you were all that you were inheriting every bit of this billion dollars, right? That would be pretty life-changing. Some of you were like, man, if we inherit that and we pay the taxes on it, we're going to figure out some things we're going to do. Be like, decide if I'm going to quit my job. Some of you are like, decide if we're going to quit the job. I've already started writing the resignation letter in my head when you talked about getting a billion dollars in the mail, right? Like we're done, right? We're tapped out. That would be amazing. But see, here's what you've got to do. Here's what you've got to understand. If you stacked every billionaire in the history of the world on top of each other, and you stacked up all their money, all of their wealth, it would pale in comparison to the access that we have as a child of God. That God is so much more powerful, that his life-changing power is so much more important than our life. And here's what you've got to understand. Here's what I want to help us get today. It's not because of who I am. It's not because of what I've done. It's simply because of who God is and what he has done. It's not that I've earned it or I deserve it. See, as an heir, when you inherit something, did you have to do something? Did you have to go through some hoops to, to, to inherit it? Was it like, well, if you meet these criteria? No, it's just because you're their son or their daughter. You're their grandchild. It's just because you're their son. It's the family thing. You get it. You inherit it. And see, the promises of God are the same way we inherit the promises that he has for us. The fourth and final one is this. It's less about making requests and it's more about making declarations. See, when we begin to understand that the word of God is filled with promises for us, it's filled with promises for our families. Matter of fact, it's filled with promises for our children. There's an incredible passage in Psalm 112 that talks about that the people who are following after God, their children are going to be blessed. And if that's one for you, I would encourage you with your kids, your grandkids, Psalm 112, write that one down, begin to believe that, pray that, and declare that, that we can say, God, I declare these promises that you have given me, that as I am following you, that I'm serving you, that I'm living my life from you, you said that my children were going to be blessed, that they were going to be taken taken care of. And so I'm going to believe that I'm going to declare that word. 
I remember from a young age, my mom was someone who just really helped me out with this so much. I remember so much of the scripture that I remember today as an adult were verses that my mom spoke over me, even as a young boy. And even just some really practical stuff, like studying for a test, and my mom would be like, declare it over you, Brian. The memory of the just is blessed. The memory of the just is blessed. You're gonna remember this. You're gonna study this, right? And praying for God's favor and all these scriptures, all these things, and just even praying for sickness. And had a grandmother the same way would pray scripture over me all the time, declare that over me begin to believe that and just something that we can do we can declare the promises of God see here's what I want us to get to today it's not about our agenda it's about God's promises and when we understand that he has given us promises we understand that we can stand on them and we can begin to declare those promises for our life it's coming into alignment with God's will, his desire, and saying, God, I agree with it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to stand on these scriptures and declare and believe for my life, for my family, for my job, for my company, whatever it is that you're believing for, standing on those promises and declaring them. See, something I think that will help us with an illustration well, maybe not the crowd that's under 30. This might be more confusing. But if you came into an inheritance and you were to receive that, maybe you would get a blank check, right? And for some of us, like, checks are like, what's a check, right? What, is, what do we do with that thing? But just hang with me there. So we receive this blank check. And what is the check made out to? The check is made out to every follower of Christ. And so in our prayer life, we are given this check and it is made out to every follower of Christ. And then what is the amount made out for? It is made out for all of God's promises. So everyone who has said yes to a relationship with Jesus, when you say yes and you understand that you are a son or a daughter, he gives us a check. It's made out to every single one of us. What does that entitle us to? It entitles us to all of God's promises. It's why it's so important that we begin to read and study the word of God, understand how that applies to our life. And then check this out. I don't know if you've ever seen a fancy business check that has like the two signature lines that you have to like have two signatures, like a normal personal check would just have the one and you sign it. But business checks, they want to make sure that you really are supposed to be getting that. And so they have two people sign the check. And so on this, it's like Jesus himself has signed the first line of the check. And then what do you need that second signature? So what's the second signature? Well, for us, it's our Amen. It's coming into agreement with God. It's saying that Jesus, God has told us through Jesus, all of his promises are yes. And then we simply have to come into agreement with him. But here's the disclaimer on this. Is that it can become very frustrating if we don't understand that God determines his timing and he determines the methodology of how he answers this. Because wouldn't it be wonderful just to be given a bunch of blank checks in prayer and we're just like doing whatever we want and praying and just like anything that we want we would get. But here's what we've got to understand because we've got to trust God and say, God, I'm bringing this, I'm believing with it, but now I'm giving you this check and believing that in your timing you are going to come through, God. Because here's the truth. We would mess it up, Right? If it was just all about us getting everything we want, can you imagine doing that with your kid? It would be the worst decision of your life. You love my kids so much, I'm gonna give them everything they want. Candy, done. No bedtime, done. I don't have to go to school. You don't have to have brush your teeth again. Wipe, who wipes, right? Come on. It would be the worst decision ever. And it's the same thing is true with us and God. God is so much more wise than us. He knows so much more than us. And if he simply gave us everything he wanted, he'd probably be setting us for some serious failure. And so we've got to learn to trust God and say, God, this is in your hands. This is your timing. 
I know sometimes people can get really crazy with this, and maybe you've been around some people who are like following after Jesus, and they're like all bossy about it. Like, I declare, like, God's going to do this for me. Like, almost like we're holding God hostage. Like, I'm not letting you out of the room until you answer this prayer, God. I'm going to beat you up. Like, that's a terrible attitude. That's not being grateful for a God who loves you and cares. That's not trusting him. We simply got to trust God, believe that he is for us that he is who he said he is, that he will do what he said he will do, that he will stand and come and fulfill every single one of his promises, that his word cannot be spoken without power, that he is not a man, that he should lie, that he will fulfill, he will come through in his timing. Something that we're doing as a church, and we did this last year, is we wrote 10 prayer declarations. And we're believing, we're declaring 10 things that we are believing for for as a church in 2020. And you can find and read all of those on our website. We have a whole section dedicated to 21 days of prayer. Matter of fact, it's something I would encourage you to go on. There's information, there's articles you can read, there's some resources that you would be able to use. Matter of fact, this book will be a great resource to you as well. And I wanted to share with you one of the declarations that we're believing for as a church to give you an example of what it looks like to have a prayer declaration. It says this, we declare in 2020 to be a year of salvation. We are asking God for souls. Specifically, we're believing to lead someone to Jesus in our own lives personally and to see a harvest of souls. And then you might see there that there's a reference to Psalm 2.8 there. And on the website, you can actually click. It'll take you right to the verse because we are declaring God's word. And there's a verse that says, if you ask me for the nations, I will give it to you as your inheritance. And we're declaring that and believing it as a church. That we're believing to see people come to Jesus, maybe again, maybe for the first time in this new year. And so that's something we're doing as a church. We challenge you to agree with us, come alongside of us, pray with us. But something that we want to challenge you as we start this on Wednesday, you have a few days to sit down and write out some of your own prayer declarations. Write some things, maybe one, two, three. I don't know. You don't have to have a list of 10. Maybe just one thing that you're believing for God to do in this new year. I truly believe that if you give yourself to this, if you really invest yourself in these three weeks, beginning to pray as we learn about praying effectively and praying with confidence, I believe God's gonna show up in your life. I believe God's gonna show himself faithful, show himself strong. As you maybe even find some scripture, then write them down. Don't just have it in your head, write it down. Bring them in, share them with me. I would love to hear, I would love to be agreeing with you. Share them with someone from your small group or someone on your team. We can be praying and agreeing and declaring these things together. Something we're really excited about as we come together for 21 days of prayer and fasting is that there's a church that opened up their doors to us. And so for the 21 days on Monday through Friday, we'll be meeting at 6 a.m. Come on, somebody. 6 to 7 o'clock, Monday through Friday. All the information will be on the website. We'll email you. If you want to show up before work or you've got time, time in the morning, come and join us. We're going to be praying together, worshiping together, believing God for what he wants to do in Treeline. We're going to be praying and believing for what God wants to do in your life and in your family. We'll be doing that on Saturdays at nine if the week doesn't work for you. So you'll be, we'll have all that information for you. And then the other part of it is the fasting. And I wish I had more time to get into this, but I don't. There's some great articles on our website that talk about fasting. What is fasting? Traditionally in the Bible, people who would fast, they would stop eating for a certain time. They would deny themselves. Why? Because they would deny their flesh so that their spirit could rise up. And fasting is not something that we do to look awesome. Like, look how awesome I am, amazing. I'm not fasting. I'm super spiritual. That's not the point at all. 
The point is simply to say, God, I am so desperate for you to show up in my life. God, we need you so much that I'm willing to deny myself in whatever way it is. Some people will do a liquid fast. It's kind of hard these days with our active lifestyles to not do anything, but you do some kind of liquid fast, juice fast, or maybe just fast once a week for lunch and spend some time in prayer. It looks different for everyone, but I want to challenge you as an individual, challenge us as a church to do something that really shakes up your normal routine. See, it's not about just finding the lowest common denominator and just skating through, but find something. Maybe for you, social media would be a really big deal. Maybe deleting that app off your phone would be a really big deal for three weeks. Maybe turning the TV off for three weeks would be really hard. Maybe fasting sugar or caffeine. Some of you are like, whoa, caffeine. Food sounds much better to give up than caffeine. Whoa, Brian, come on. But whatever it is, do something that you're saying, God, in these three weeks, and we're starting on Wednesday with dinner, so you can have breakfast and lunch and then dinner. That's when we start. We'll go for three weeks. And at the end of the three weeks, I'm so excited. We're going to get together on that Wednesday night on the 29th, do something called Sacred Assembly. We're going to come together as a church. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to believe what God's going to do in your life, what he's going to do with us as a church. It's going to be an amazing time. You're not going to want to miss it. So all that information we'll be sending to you, but I just want to encourage you as a church, encourage you as an individual. Find some things that you can be agreeing for God to do in your life and then come alongside of us and to pray and declare these 10 things that we're believing for in Treeline. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are a loving God. Lord, that you love and that you care about us so much that you sent your son Jesus and Lord, we can stand and rest on the promises that everything that you have promised us in your word is yes through Jesus. Lord, as we come into agreement, God, I just pray today for those who are here as we begin to hear this challenge, Lord, that you would just speak to them, Lord. They would just find the strength. They would find the courage to maybe for the first time write out some prayer declarations, find some verses that they can begin to feel challenged and begin to pray through those, God. And even starting small, even if they feel like they feel insignificant or they're not spiritual enough or they don't know enough about God or the Bible, God, that they would just step out in faith, Lord, and you would meet them there. God, I pray that in this season of prayer and fasting, God, that we would be faithful to seek your face. God, we are so desperate for you, Lord. Lord, we need your intervention in our lives, in our marriages, in our family, in our children, in our jobs, in our church, in our community, Lord, in everything that we do, Lord. We don't want to do it without you, Lord. Today, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to give you the opportunity that maybe you're here, and as we talk about being a son or a daughter of God, maybe you've never made that decision. It's the best decision you can ever make. Because here's what I know to be true is that there's nothing you can do to earn God's love. There's nothing that you can do to earn his forgiveness. And there's also nothing that you can do to turn him away from you. There's nothing, there's no life that you can live, no decision that you can make that he would turn away, that he would run away. He has always been here. Matter of fact, he has always been here. Not in this church, he's been here in your life waiting for you to say yes to him, to come into agreement, to lay down your plans, lay down your life and say, yes, I will follow you, Jesus. I'm going to live for you. I'm gonna give my life to you. We're all in need of a savior. It's not just simply about coming into a relationship with him to get us out of hell. It's simply coming to her life and saying, God, that you love me, that you have a plan for me, that you have gifted me this life, and I want to lay it down for you and live for you. If that's you today, we want to give you an opportunity while no one's looking around, maybe for the first time, or maybe one time you prayed that prayer and you invited Christ in your life and you were living for him, and I don't know what happened, but here's the thing, it doesn't matter. God has always been here with arms wide open waiting for you to come home, not with judgment, but with forgiveness and love. 
So if that's you today, while no one's looking around, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to, at the end of the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up and say, Brian, include me in that prayer. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Awesome. Anyone else? Okay, great. Put your hand down. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray out loud. Repeat after me so that no one has to pray alone. And if you're listening online sometime during the week, you can pray this prayer right where you are, maybe in your car, in your home, in your couch. God's not just here in this building with us. He's right where you are. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we cheer for those who made a decision to come to Christ? Best decision you could have ever made. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.